Shalom to all. My name is Michal Horowitz. Welcome back to OU Women's Initiative Nachyomi. Today we are going to continue our study of Sefer Shoftim. We are up to Parakei. So after the decisive victory led by Devorah and Barak over Yavin King of Canaan, and more specifically, the victory or the slaying on the battlefield of Sisra the Sartseva, of course, the heroine was Yael, who took the tempeg, Eshes Chavir Hakini. What happens in Parakei is we have the famous Shiras Devora, the famous song of Devora, where she sings song of gratitude and thanks to Hashem for the victory. It is uh, actually impossible in the, a lot of time that we have to go through the entire Shira. So I'm going to tell you how the Shira is divided up into different themes. Now we are going to f- speak about a few specific psukim and lessons that I want to highlight. The parak is actually 31 psukim long. So it is a lengthy parak that deals with the beautiful, famous song of Devara. Of course, Shira's Devara is the Haftorah for Parshas Bashalach and the Shira Sayyam. So it begins as follows, Vatasha Devorah Ubarak ben Avinoam Bayamahu Lemar. And Devorah and Barak ben Avinoam sang on that they sing. So the first five psukim are a general introduction and the greatness and the might of Hashem. In Paragvav, the sixth Pasuk, she now turns to present times in the day of Shmagar, the son of Anat. If you remember, Shmagar, Shmagar, the son of Anat, who was a shofi for a very partial few short months. At the end of Paragimel, we learned about him. And then she starts to mention the times and the travail that the children of Israel find themselves in. People were fearing their enemies on the roots. Unwalled cities ceased in Israel because people felt they needed to live in walled cities to protect themselves. People turned to false gods. She starts to describe the general feeling, the the situation, um, how the people are faring at that time. So first she begins with a general praise of Hashem. Then she turns to the present day and the troubles that the nation has been facing. Then she turns to the war itself. And in Parak Pasuk, your base, I'm sorry, Uri Uri Devora, Uri Uri Dabri Shir, arouse, wake up, Devora, wake up, wake up, sing a song, Kum Barak, get up, Barak, arise, Barak, Ushave Shaviacha Ben Avinoam, take your prisoners, you are the commanding officer, the son of Avinoam. The remnant of the mighty of the people went down to battle. The Lord Hashem came down with me for the valley. And so this is now the introduction to the specifics of this specific war. Again, first she begins with the praise of Hashem. Then she talks about the specific time period in the days of the Shoftim, with the general decline of the people spiritually, which leads to trouble, ultimately leads to God saving them. Now she turns to this war in specific, and she praises those who joined the battle. In Pasuk Yudal, she says, Mini Ephraim Shosham Ba'amalik, she praises those out of Ephraim came those who have brooded Amalek after you, Binyamin, with your clan. So she's praising those from Machir, which is from the tribe of Manasha, from Zvulin, those who pay the soldiers, masters of the pen. She's now praising those who come down to fight in the battle. She praises the princess of Yisachar, who were with Devorah, who were with Barak. Then, in Pesukim Tazayin and Yud Zayin, she criticizes those tribes who sat out and did not take part in the battle. 
Pasuk Tes Zayin, Lama Yeshafta Ben Mishpasayim Lishma Shurikos Adarim. She says to the tribe of Reuven, Why did you sit between the sheepfolds and the pastures? Why did you only hear the bleeding of the flocks? Why are you sitting, in other words, in tranquility or while your brothers went to war? Among the division, the divided hearts of Reuven are great consultations of the heart. What she is doing here, according to Steinzeltz Navim, is mocking the tribe of Reuven's decision to sit quietly in place and remain neutral. I personally found this very, very relevant because the tribe of Reuven in general in Chumash is a weak tribe. Reuven has the best of intentions, but he is not able to live up to those intentions. He's not able to bring them to fruition. He changes his father's bed. Father criticizes him. He wants to save Yosef, but he can't save Yosef. He loses the rights to the Bechorah. He loses the rights to Malchus. Reuven, in general, is a weak character. And that theme is continued here when Devar criticizes Reuven for sitting with the sheep and listening to their bleeding, B-L-E-A-T-I-N-G, instead of listening to the cries of the Jews on the battlefield. She then turns to the other tribes and Pasuk Yitzayin, who also sat out and did not join the war. Gilad, Be'eva Hayardain Shachain, Gilad, a family from the tribe of Manasseh, you, you dwell in tranquility on the other side of the Yardin, you didn't come to help your brothers. Vidon, Lama Yagur Anios, Don, why do you reside in ships? In other words, you're busy with what's happening by the sea, but you didn't take part in the war effort. Asher, Yashav, Lechof, Yamim, Asher, you lived at the seashore, Ba'al Mifratzav, Yishkan, and you dwell by the bay. So here she is criticizing Ruvain, Gilad from the tribe of Manasseh. Asha, Don, and Asher. So what I think, a lesson we learn from here, it's Parakeb, Sukkim Tessayin, through Yud Zayin, is that when our brothers go to battle, and that's really the first thing that Moshe Rabbeinu said in Sefer Bamidbar, Paraklamid Beis, when Reuven and God approach him and say, you know, this land on the eastern side of the Jordan River looks very nice. I'm not to have Sayardi. We don't want to cross the Jordan River. The first thing Moshe says is, Ha'achechem yevalu mechama v'atam your brothers are going to go to war under the leadership of Yoshua, and you want to stay here in tranquility? Do you want to sit in the pasture lands? I think there's a big Mr. Hasko. When, I, when part of Amisho is at war, all of Amisho is at war, and everyone must join the war ever, wherever you live geographically, whatever your position is, no matter where you are, in some way, physically, spiritually, monetarily, dedicating limudim, we must all be together when our brothers go to battle. And here, Devorah criticizes those tribes who chose to sit out and not join the battle against Yavin, the king of Canaan, and specifically with Sisra leading the way. However, in Pasuk she now turns to Zvulun and Naphtali, who did join the battle, and she praises them for being courageous and for going to war. She then notes in Psukim Yud Tash, Chof, and Chof Aleph, well, really in Pasuk Yud Tash first, that the kings of Canaan joined the war. So it wasn't only a battle against Yavin, the kings of Canaan made war as well. They joined with each other to come against Israel. Steinzeltz Nevi'im notes, it was clear to both sides that this was to be a decisive battle over control of the north. This was not a conflict only between Yavin and Barak, but it was a conflict between Canaan and Yisrael. 
And that's why she criticizes those tribes that sat out, and she praises those tribes that sat in. So Pasuk Tas tells us, The kings came, they battled, then battled the kings of Canaan. It wasn't only Yavin and Sisra. It was many kings of Canaan who came to join the battle. Pasukim Chaf, Chaf Aleph, Chaf Beis, Chaf Gimel tell us further details of the war. Now I want to come to Pasuk Chaf Dalet. And now she turns specifically to who? Ah, the heroine of the battle. Pasuk of Dalet. Tivarach minashim ya'al. Eishas chaver hakeni. Minashim ba'ohel tivarach. What a beautiful Pasuk. Blessed amongst women is ya'al, the wife of chaver the keni. Blessed is ya'al from the woman in the tents. Listen again. Tivarach minashim ya'al. Among women who sit in the tents, she shall be blessed. He asked for water, but she gave him milk. Remember, he comes to her tents, so he says, can I just have some water? I'm thirsty. She says, have a drink. She gave him milk. He fell asleep and she kills him. In a great large bowl, she presented him with butter. So here she's praising that Yael gave him dairy, which put him to sleep. She continues and she speaks about her act of courage. She sent her forth, she sent forth her hand to the tent peg. She extended her right hand to the laborer's hammer. Because she used the hammer to blow the peg into his brain. The Halama Sisra Mechaka Rosho Hu Mechatsa Vechalfa Rakaso. Wow, she struck Sisra. She crushed his head. It smashed as the tent peg went through his temple. Pasuchav Zayin Ben Raglaha Kara Nafal Shachav. Between her feet, he crouched down. He fell. He lay down. Ben Raglaha Kara Nafal. Ba'asher Kara Sham Nafal Shadud. At her feet, he knelt. Where he knelt, he fell dead. This is the portion of the song that deals with the bravery and the courage of Ya'al. What does she mean when she says, Ya'al, the wife of Chaver the Kenny, is more blessed than woman. She is blessed from the woman of the tent. So I want to tell you what the Ein Yaakov says on this Pasuk. The Madrash Ein Yaakov says as follows, Tivarach minashim ya'al eishas chevi hakini, keini minashim ba'ol tivarech, me'ayin inu nashim ba'ohel, sara rifka racha v'leya. What is she referring to when she says that ya'al is more blessed? She is blessed from the woman in the tent. Ah, says the Ein Yaakov, sara rifka racha v'leya. Who are the women in the tent? Ar imahot. Sarah was in the tent. Rivka was in the tent. Rachel and Leah. Yaal here takes the koho, the strength, the, the might of a heroic woman to do what needs to be done to save Kaisha. Where does she find the source of this strength? From the Imahot. Where do we see that the Imahot were referred to as in the tent? So by Sarah, Parak Yudchas Pasuk Tas of Bereshis, the Malachim say, where is Sarah, your wife? The visiting angel say to Avram, where is Sarah, your wife? And he answers, When it comes to Rivka, Yitzhak brought his new Kyle Rivka to the tent of Sarah, his mother. And he took Rivka and she was him a wife and he loved her. And he was comforted over his mother. 
So, Sarah is referred to as in the tent, Barishas 18.9. Rivka is referred to as in the tent when she comes home with the servant for the Shidduch. Yitzchak brings Rivka into the tent. So we see Rivka is also referred to as in the tent. And Rachel and Leah in Sefer Barishas, Parak Lamed Aleph, Pasuk Lamed Gimel, Vayavo Loven Ba'ohel Yaakov, U Ba'ohel Leah. When Lavan catches up with him and he's searching for the Trophim, we see that it is referred to as he goes into the tent of Leah and the tent of Rachel. And the Ein Yaakov says, you want to know what it means? That Yael is blessed from women in the tent. This is talking about the Koch of the Imahot. I heard from Rav Mordechai Willig Shlita, the Rosh Hashiva, uh, Rosh Kola, at uh, Yeshiva University. Rav Mordechai Willig Shlita says that Jewish women derive their kochos from the strength and faith of our imahos. It is from them, the foremothers in the tents, that Klal Yisrael thrives and Klal Yisrael survives. And Yael went along this path and that is where she got her strength from. So, so far, as we have looked at the song, we've looked at the main themes of the song. The first lesson that we learned is that when Kaisal is in battle, no one can sit out. Everyone has to join in some way the battle, emotionally, psychologically, physically, monetarily, spiritually, Torah to And that is why, I shouldn't say that's why, that's one of the lessons we learned from the fact that Devorah criticized those those tribes who chose to sit out. Reuven, Gilad from the tribe of Manasseh, Don Asher, how could you sit out with your sheep? How could you sit by the seashore? How could you sail on your ships? How could you stay in Averly Yardane when you see that your brothers are at war? And of course, as we... Uh, I hope by the time this recording comes out, Operation Swords of Iron will have finished and Mashiach will be here in the ultimate Geula. But when Klai shows at war, we're all at war. The second lesson is about Yael. She is the second to last personality mentioned in the Song of Devorah. And that is that every courageous woman who helps Klai reach its tafkid, and that's all of us, has to know and understand that we derive our kochos, our heroic qualities, from our imahot. They are all referred to at one point or another in Sefer Barashas as being ba'ohel. And that is what Tevara means, according to the Ein Yaakov, minashim ba'ohel tevarach. And we have to tap into the courage of our imahot, who founded and mothered the Uma Yisraelis. They ensured the survival, the continuity of Knesset during very difficult times. Sorry, did not have such an easy life. Rivka had to contend with a son like Esau. And Leah and Rachel for sure did not have easy lives, but they derived great strength from the power of being in a tent, a shechinus of the tent. And that's where Yael got her kochos from, and that's where we must derive our kochos from. The last personality who is named in this shira is actually the mother of Sisra. Ba'ad ha'cholon nishkefa, the mother of Sisra, was looking through the window. babe. She was sobbing. Aim Sisra, Ba'ad Ha'ashnav. She gazed, she's looking through the lattice, and she's sobbing. Madua, Boshesh Bolavo. Why is Sisra taking so long to come home? Madua Echrupa, Ame Markavosav. Why are the hoofbeats of his chariot so late? And the wise of the noblewoman answer her. And they say, Don't worry, Sisra's dividing the spoils. He's finding beautiful women to ravage. 
They try and tell her he's late because he's dividing spoils of war. He's ravaging the women. However, of course, that was not to be. Ultimately, Sisra was not alive anymore. And very, very interestingly, and I wanted to share with you, but I simply don't have the time. I truly apologize. <sighs> A different time. Why do we sound a hundred shofar blasts corresponding to the hundred cries of Sisra's mother? Okay, I'll tell you very quickly since I brought it up, so it's not nice. Rabbi Joseph Bisovajik the Rav says, Why does the story of a pagan mother awaiting her barbaric son's return from battle form the halachic basis for the customary number of shofar blasts that are sounded at Rosh Hashanah? Because upon hearing the piercing tones of the shofar, we must experience a similar emotion to that which Aim Sisra experienced. As we awaken from spiritual complacency, we must witness our own illusions being relentlessly shattered. The, ru- the word teruah is defined in the Gemara as yabava. Yabava, the same word used in Shoftim, says the Rav, to depict the rhythmic sobbing of Sisra's mother as described by Devorah in her song. We live our lives sometimes under such an illusion. We think we're masters of our destiny. Maybe since October 7th, that's been shattered a little bit, but we control. We are the top. The backstops here. You have to remember that there's a Rebosh Olam who's controlling this world. And just like Sisra's mother sobbed at the window, a hundred chauffeur blasts on Rosh Hashanah are meant to shake us out of our complacency. We must remember the delusions of Olam Hazar are often shattered before our eyes, and there is a Rebolish Olam who is controlling all of our destiny. And finally, how does Devorah conclude her song? Just as Yavin and Sisra fell, Pasuklamet Aleph, Kain Yovdu Kol Eivach Hashem, so to all of your enemies shall perish Hashem. Hashem is and those who love you shall be exalted and splendorous like the sun that comes out of its strength. And finally, we are told the land, the land was tranquil after this episode for 40 years. Thank you for studying together. Lilui Nishamot Imahotenu Hayekarot Esther Oppenheimer Shalom and Sarah Shanker Shalom, each deeply devoted and proud to transmit their family's Torah legacy to the next generations. Kol Tov and thank you to all.